0: Welcome to Acts Two and Forty Two. Hey guys, welcome back to Acts Two and podcast. This is Keith. Today I came in the studio, had something on my mind, and was inspired to just record. So it's just me. There's no one else here. And what I want to do is I just want to share a brief, some brief uh, insight into. a very important passage in Matthew the sixth chapter about not worrying about provision and also a little insight as to what to expect when you're given something valuable so if you're not familiar with Matthew the sixth chapter it starts off with the lord's prayer won't spend a whole lot of time there i will emphasize go read that that was our lord teaching us how to pray You'll probably see more content and even maybe podcasts uh, coming out on just that topic alone because it's very, very important for believers. But start there and just consider that this is the Lord teaching us how to pray. Then later on in that chapter, he, he goes on and he starts talking to them about not worrying. And let me read that for you just to give some context and just to make sure we're on the same page. But it starts off in the 25th verse, Matthew six twenty five. Therefore, I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow. They do not reap. They do not gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they are? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? I want to stop there, but we'll keep going. "'And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into a furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you, O oh, you of little faith?' So the grass that grows is beautiful. And he says that even Solomon and all his riches, he was known, you know, for being well-known, but known for his uh, both his wisdom and his riches and abundance. So in all the clothes and all that he had, he wasn't as beautiful. Yet this grass gets cut down and thrown into the fire once it's done growing. So if he's willing to take that good care of grass, how much more are you? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after these things. Now, the word Gentile means non-Jew. It's actually a word that just means nations, the nations. So that's what the people like, like in church today, we call them the world, we call them the secular world. So that's what secular people, people that aren't of the faith, people that don't have faith, that don't know God, that's what they should worry about, not people that say they trust in God. And it says, and your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Today has enough trouble of its own. <laughs> uh, and I read from a modern translation, if you didn't notice, the reason why I did that was because I wanted it to make sense. It's pretty simple, right? If I read in the King James, there's a lot that comes off a little ambiguous and unclear and not really sure what he means by that. Sufficient unto the day is the suffering thereof, or whatever it says in the King James. Um, it's rather confusing. <laughs> um, so let's let's recap real quick. He starts off basically by saying, "Don't worry about clothes." For one, your body and your life is more than food and clothes. And this is we have to argue that, especially in America. Even though we have an abundance of food and clothes, and even in poverty, we have more than anyone else in the nation, this is probably what we spend our time worrying about. We have to provide for our family, you know, and we do, you know, but this is our, our concern. There's people in other countries that have much less than we do, that I would venture to say, don't spend half as much time worrying about those things as we do. So keep in mind, right, we, we worry about where we're going to get our kids clothes from, where we're going to get our kids food from, or ours. He starts off by reminding us that our life and our body needs more than that, that that's not what's necessarily important to the body or to your life. And then he says, all right, well, think about what worrying will get you. You worry about it. If you worry about your life, can you add an extra hour to your life? I would argue that, you know, prayer and trusting God, you know, faith— would add more to your life. And there's probably some science behind this that says if you worry less, you'll probably live longer. So kind of indirectly, you know, uh, fulfilling that. But so then he compares this to the birds. Then he compares this to the grass. And he says, both of these, you know, God takes care of them. The birds, they don't, they don't plant. They don't harvest. But they eat. The grass are beautifully, beautifully clothed just to be thrown into a furnace and burned. So if this is the care that your heavenly father gives to those things, which are obviously less than you, why would you have to worry? And I know I say this so almost confidently as if I don't myself worry. I do. That's why it's actually why I'm doing this. I've been there. You know, I I am there. I'm always, you know, got stuff on my mind. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? So I'm speaking just as much to myself, you know, as I am to you. So seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I think that's, that's probably part that's often uh, skipped over. Um, you're supposed to seek the kingdom of God. Well, for one, what does that mean? For two, and his righteousness. So are we seeking his righteousness? Not just righteousness, not, um, not being a good person you know, whatever we deem that to be, but are we seeking His righteousness, Him, His kingdom, and His righteousness? And if we're focused on these things, I was talking to my children today, and I I don't know how anyone can sit in prayer and not do two things. One, come out with hope. I don't know how you can sit and talk to God. And not come out feeling a little bit better about your situation, not come out like having complete confidence. And I know this is kind of based on my relationship, what kind of relationship we have with them? what kind of experience you have with them? So if you're kind of, I'll say, young in the faith or really don't have those experiences yet, um, I'll, I'll encourage you to try him. I'll encourage you Um to first seek to know the will of God and pray according to the will. I won't set you up and say, pray for whatever you want. He's a genie. He'll give you anything you want. And then when you don't get it, even though you named it and claimed it, now you doubt God. No, I'm going to say, know your God, know who it is you're praying to, know the things that he wants, know the things that he wants for you, the things he wants for the world, for his kingdom. Pray according to those things. If you pray according to those things, I say you have a fighting chance to see some great things. So I'll encourage you to try that. Um, but no doubt. Another scripture says when you pray, having no doubt, all you need is a little faith, right? But doubt can't be part of that, you know? So, but I told my kids, leave in prayer. I don't know how you can leave prayer and not have hope, not to be hopeful. And, 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 and just to clarify, hope is not man. I really hope that happens, and I'm down in the dumps, and I really don't know if something good's going to happen or not. Hope is the joyful expectation of a thing, by definition. That's what the word means. So the joyful expectation. Many people that say, "Well, I hope," they don't say it like, "Well, I joyfully expect it." <laughs> so, so it's more like, "Man, I wish. I wish it could happen. I doubt it." Well, don't say hope then, because that's not what that word means. So hope means you, you expect it to come around the corner tomorrow. You're, you're happy, you're excited, right? Just like if tomorrow was your birthday, and you know, as long as we wake up tomorrow, that date on the calendar is my birthday. And if so, you know, you're, you're looking forward to that. That's hope. You know it's going to be tomorrow. You know it's your birthday, and you're kind of excited about it, you know? And so when it talked about, you know, um, him returning or the day that we'll be with him, that's why they talked about the blessed hope. This is our hope. This is what we wait for. So, the second thing that I don't know how you can sit in prayer and and come out feeling is I don't know how you really come out of prayer having animosity towards someone. I don't know how you come out of prayer not having forgiven everyone. You know, and I don't want to get too much on this, but you know, how do you sit in prayer and and talk to the God? That, that knows all your weaknesses, that knows everything you've done wrong and the and how unworthy you are, you know, you, you, you not only ask for, but you enjoy his patience and his grace. And you love him so much for it. The fact that, look, I'm sitting here with you. You love me. You've been so good to me. And you have no reason. You have no reason to be this good to me. You have no reason to love me. I've given you every reason to not want to have anything to do with me, but you won't let go of me how don't I have that, or at least understanding to someone else is like, look, God, I, I tried to do better. I did. I, man. I'm trying. And why don't I look at my brother who did me wrong? Like, man, I bet he's trying though. Cause I'm trying and I'm failing God. My brother's trying, he's failing God. So I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I don't know how, how we say we pray and we can't forgive, but he tells you not to worry about these things. And the point that I wanted to share, I did want to kind of expound on that scripture. But really the point that i wanted to share was a little bit of my own insight as being a father again this all comes from praying with our children this morning right and the prayer wasn't just all right let's sit down pray god is good god's great and we thank you for food amen you know or the you know whatever it is cross your heart and all that you know we actually had a conversation you know we were actually talking about things and here i am because i'm the dad i think i'm gonna pray right um and my second oldest daughter says, you know, dad, I want to pray. Okay, cool. Pray. And man, she prays great, great things. And my oldest daughter says, dad, I got some things I want to pray for. Cool. Pray. She prays some phenomenal things. And they're, the reason that we came together for prayer, they're touching all this other stuff, far more meaningful, far more meaningful. The fact that as a family, we're doing better. Dad, thank you, or uh, God, thank you for you know, helping me to be nicer to my sisters, helping my helping my parents to be better parents, because they know we pray to be better parents. We we ask them to pray for us to try to do better, you know? So thank you, you know, mommy and daddy are doing better, and we're doing better, and we're all working better as a family, and thank you for that. And, and I'm like, man, <laughs> what did we come to pray for again? Man, forget all that noise, you know? My other daughter prays, and, and yeah, if you don't know, I got a lot of daughters, so... <laughs> So we were praying for a long time. Um, Then another daughter prays. Beautiful, 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 like like gut-wrenching, tear-jerking prayers, the most precious voice that you ever heard in your life. And then my other daughter prays, and more of the same. And they're just, man, it really makes you feel good as a parent, for one. I just have to say that, you know. To hear, like, when my kids prayed, they prayed about the right things. And they prayed contentfully and gratefully for all the things that they have. When, if I catch them on a random moment, they could complain. But here, when they pray and they talk to God, they just thank him. And they know how, they know how much he's done and they're very grateful for it. So, but in that, I'm like, man, these kids had 100% hope in what they prayed for. These kids, you know, out of the mouth of babes and these kids have the purest faith. And I think part of it is kids haven't lived the life, you know, haven't, they haven't had life experiences as we have. So we've had crushing blows. We've had things happen we didn't plan for. We've had bad things happen. So it's a good reason to worry a little bit. Good reason to say, man, I don't know if this is going to happen. I prayed last time and something different happened. So for one, kids don't have that. Kids, all they know is, you know, they believe in unicorns. They believe in all kinds of stuff. They can believe in anything, and it's amazing. So pray with your kids. If you have kids, pray with them. If you don't have kids, have some kids and pray with them. <laughs> like, like man, these kids are phenomenal. You know, when guided properly, and that's why, you know, Proverbs said to train them up in the way they should go. Like, we're, they're looking for a diagram from us. So give them the diagram and let their faith just kind of do its thing. They trust God. They trust Him way more than you ever will. And they know far less about them than you do. So don't forget that. Pray, for, you know, let them pray. But the other part I think it is I was talking to my wife about this before I left uh, to come to the studio. All the kids know, all they know is if they need something, they ask us, right? They ask mom and dad. They've never really had to go out and get anything on their own, right? For all intents and purposes, you know, uh, for most intents and purposes, but they've never had to go out and get anything on their own. Everything's provided for them. If they don't, if something isn't provided or they need something, they ask. And then most of the time it comes, especially when it's, you know, food and clothing and things like that. Mom, I need some more shoes. They don't have to do anything to go get it. The lights that are on in the house, they did nothing for that to happen. The food, they did nothing for that to happen. Doesn't matter what it is. They did nothing for that to happen. So as a father, I'm like, well, I can see where it would be easier for them to just ask God and believe he'll do it because everything else that they have... They didn't have to worry about how to get it. So, and I, I was telling my wife, I'm like, man, so as a father, I can understand that. And I know I'm out there getting it for them. They don't have to worry about the logistics, the, how, the who, the what, the whens, the hows, all that. They just get it. They just receive it. They don't have to worry about that. They trust me. They know I'm going to bring it home for them. But I'm a child of God. And when I pray, do I realize that my father is far more capable than I am? Far more capable. I can probably have and probably will fail my children in some way, some shape, or some form. He's impossible. It's, it's, excuse me, it's impossible for him to fail. Like, he's far more capable of providing than I am. Yet I think my children should trust me, but I have trouble trusting God. Like, I worry. And I'm speaking to me, not metaphorically or facetiously, but I worry about that. I worry about you know, how are we going to get the house that we need for all these children? Um, how are we going to get a car that we need for all these children? You know, I worry about all these things. And I don't know, isn't he far more capable? Why, why, why would I spend my time doing that? So that was in a nutshell. That, that's that's essentially, you know, the insight I wanted to share with you, especially if you're a parent. If not, I think you could still get the the idea. My kids or children, period for most, most sakes, in a, in a proper family, in an able family, don't have to worry about where it's going to come from. They shouldn't. I know in some cases they do. But they shouldn't have to worry about where it's going to come from. And when they don't, when their parents are out there providing for them, they just it's it's easier to not worry about. They don't think twice about how they're going to eat. They may wonder, well, can we have you know, this kind of cereal? Can we have waffles in the morning or whatever it is that kids want? They may think about that stuff, but they're not worried about having it. So I don't know, just, just take that insight and just say, all right, so my kids can rely on me to some extent. They don't have to worry. Why am I worried? Why am I worried? Now I should go out there. I should work. I should try my best. I should do everything in my power, but there shouldn't be any worrying. There should be planning. There should be execu- execution, um, resilience, determination, but there should be faith And there should be hope. Again, I mean, the first step and the the biggest caution I would caution is, do you pray according to his will? That's the only catch that I can see you absolutely not getting it. Um, First John, the fourth chapter says, you know, you ask and you ask amiss. You, You basically, you ask God, but you asked wrong because you wanted to consume it of your own desires. You just wanted that car just to be fly. Because it was fly. You didn't want it for its functions. You didn't want it because of the good things it could do. You know, the fact that it was more uh, reliable, the fact that it, it served your family or your community better. So I would say try to check your motives. Try to check your motives and ask yourself why are you praying for that? Who are you serving? Who is it helping? Or is it just your own desire? Those things God doesn't have to do, and He probably shouldn't. And I won't get into that. Now, the second thing is when you get something of value, (laughs) <laughs> um, I'll give a little context. And before anyone misunderstands, my wife and I have a great marriage. Um, But it comes with challenges. Uh, I can be a jerk. She's wonderful. <laughs> she never does anything wrong. I'm not being facetious. <laughs> and I'm just uh, speaking kindly about my wife. But I'm here speaking on behalf of me. So I know that that I can be a jerk. Sometimes I can be difficult and I have to realize that I have to try to do better. Um, but all in all, we have a good marriage. We work hard to try to communicate properly, to try to understand, you know, how each other feel, what each other need. Um, but long and short, even within a wonderful marriage with a wonderful wife, with a wonderful family, there's work involved. There's, there's ups and downs. There's difficulty. Um, so I was talking to TJ yesterday and I was joking with him. I said, you sure you want a wife? <laughs> you know, not because my wife is bad and it's not all and all, all better, but because, man, um, there's also a burden. You know, whenever you have a relationship with someone, there's a burden to you, to that person. So I was just kind of joking with him. like, look, you know, obviously having a wife is a great thing, but man, there's a responsibility that comes along with it. There's a load that comes along with it. I said, I'll put it like this, man, having a wife is the best thing you can have. Having a good wife. Excuse me. Hmm. <laughs> excuse me, sir, Uh, clarify that statement, having a good wife and or good husband, there's, I would say almost nothing more valuable. Okay. Proverbs 31 to all you Christians, you know, so there's nothing more valuable. I will say that, but, um, what's the most valuable thing on the face of the earth It's gold, right? You know, everything, every example of riches is gold, right? If you get gold, and I mean like a lot of gold, like millions of dollars in gold, actual gold, millions of dollars, so, 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 so valuable that there's nothing. It's, it's literally like priceless. You can't put a price on it. There's nothing greater. There's nothing you could be given of more value. Do you have any idea how insanely heavy that would be to carry? the more valuable of a thing that you're given, the broader the shoulders you need to have. And that's for men, that's for women, that's not just husbands and your wives, but I don't know. I'll take a step back and say, I would emphasize responsibility on the husband first. I know a lot of Christian brothers. Um, I'm sure they're trying and it's not my place, but I think we I was gonna say you, but I think you can do better. And I think it's your job to set the tone for better. I think it's your responsibility to be a better father, a better husband first, before you can expect it from them. You are their covering, you are their head, you know, you're all those things. And that doesn't mean you are their dictator. They are to obey you and work for you all the days of their life. No, that means it's all riding on your shoulders. If your wife is failing and she's terrible, it, the blame starts with you, as it does any leader. Anyone knows anything about leadership? Is it it all? It all ends up going back to the leader. Um, you set the tone. You set the pace. So before you want to be the boss, you know, as if you want to pay the cost, you know. Um, you know, sorry, I kind of walked right into that one, but um, but seriously, you know, guys, you have to take that on your shoulders to be better, to establish a different way. If you yell and scream, if you guys are always fussing at each other, you have to stop. And say, hold on, let's get let let's get control of this. Grab the horse by the reins and slow it down. And say, I'm going to talk to her different. I'm going to treat her different. I'm going to help her. I'm going to do this. And that's the teaching of Christ, period, is that I'm going to love my enemy, which God knows I hope your wife isn't your enemy. But even those that do you harm, you show them love. The only way to make an enemy a friend is to make him your friend. Abraham Lincoln, and I botched that, but... If you have someone you're having a difficult time with, show them love, show them friendship. Don't expect for them to give you friendship when you're showing them hatred, when you're showing them negativity, when you're yelling, when you're, you know, talking down on them and blaming them for stuff. So, but this is all the burden that's that's on your shoulders when you're given something valuable. And I would venture to say that that many of us are given good wives. So if our marriage is um, struggling, as marriages do, So first of all, don't think that something strange is going on where, man, we just argue. Uh, Look, you become roommates with anyone. You get married with anyone. You're in a relationship long enough with anyone and you're going to have some problems. They're going to have some problems, some disagreements. But that valuable, valuable, valuable thing that you've been entrusted with, whether it's your wife, whether it's your family, and these are things that I would say first, but the valuable things you're given, they're responsibilities. That's a load that you have to bear. That's there's some work involved. You want all the gold in the world, but you don't have a place to store it. You want all the gold in the world, but you, you don't have a cart that can pull it to your, to the next location. You can't carry it. You don't have a way to uh, manage it. You don't have the, the the strength, either internally or externally. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're ready for it. I don't know, man. We, we really need to be careful what we pray for and what we ask for. Israel begged God for a king back before there were kings in Israel. They would cry out and beg God for a king because they wanted a earthly carnal man sitting on a white horse that the whole world could revere and be scared of. They wanted their leader to ride into battle and strike fear in the hearts of the enemies too. They didn't know that the name of the Lord already did that because they were carnal. They didn't realize the value that they had. And he said, look, the Lord said, look, I'll give you a king. You keep begging for it. I'll give you what you ask for, but it's going to be bad. It's going to come with all these downsides. And they're like, sure, whatever. Just give us what we want. Yeah. You don't want to do that. End up bad for them. It's going to end up bad for you. God had a king in mind for him. God has a wife in mind for you. God has a husband in mind for you. God has children in mind for you. God has whatever it is he has in mind for you. If, in fact, it's part of his plan and he has it in mind, I would venture to say that you almost only have to pray for it. <laughs> you almost only have to pray for it. If your heart desires it, yeah, let it be known. But probably wrap up that prayer by saying, I know the plans that you have for me are better than anything I can have for myself. I want whatever you want. I want whatever you have planned. I, w- I want whatever is best. And You only, you and you alone know that. And be okay with that because the knight in shining armor or the maiden, uh, uh, the fair maiden or whatever, they're not going to arrive on your doorstep the next day after you pray. It'll take time. And partially because he's working on you because you're not ready yet. You don't have the strength to carry all that gold. Why is he going to give it to you? You're the, uh, the prodigal son who was given inheritance too early and didn't have the means to manage it. He can't give you money because you can't be trusted with money. When you're faithful with a little, you're given more. So he gives you a little portion. Can you manage that? If you can't, I'm not going to increase it because it's going to overtake you. It might not kill you. It may kill you, but you're going to blow it. It's going to just going to stress you out, and overtake you. It's like the more money you get, it's like fast money. I know this from guys, you know, like hustling street guys. Um, it's difficult, man, because when the money comes so fast and that's why you see them throwing it up in air at the club and, you know, why will, buy out the bar while we were doing whatever it is that we were doing out there, it was because it was, it came so fast, you know? So if it came easy and you didn't have to save and work hard and plan, then it's kind of hard once you get it to realize that you have to save and work hard and plan, you know? So it's the same thing with non-material items, with actual meaningful things. You need to be patient, work hard for those things, prepare yourself, prepare yourself as a person, as a human being, Time in prayer as a Christian, you know, to be well grounded and and trustworthy with whatever riches God can give you. So I think I've said enough. Um, let me know in the comments. Um, love to hear from you. Love to hear. I don't know. Um, I really don't get inspired to do these things like that. I have a thousand things on my mind all the time, just like many of you probably do. Um, but I enjoy the group. Dialogue and discussion. Um, so we'll come back again with with the rest of the guys. But today I just came in. I had that on my mind and thought, man, let me break out the camera and the mic and and uh and share this, put it out there. So anyway, I hope this was helpful, uh, meaningful. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um before I go, I will say that we really appreciate like all the interaction, even the YouTube stuff, like on like how to study the Bible, which was a really amateur you know, video production it really wasn't anything major, but I just wanted to point people in the right direction for physical and digital tools. But when I get feedback on that and someone says, man, this was really helpful. The first comment I got like that, like I told the guys, I wanted to frame it. Like that meant so much to me that I did something that helped somebody and that they they told me it helped them. I don't just assume it helped them. You know, I end up hearing from them. So hearing from you is beautiful. It, it's it means that we're on the right track. It encourages us that no matter if it's one person, 12 people, 100 people, us sitting around this table or sitting in front of this camera did something for you. If it's just you, we'll do it again. I I don't care if it's one person or 10,000. I really don't. I kind of hope it's not 10,000. I don't want that kind of attention in my life <laughs> and negativity. Um, So the all the interaction helps, you know, whether it's a iTunes review, whether it's a like, a share. We really appreciate it. So thank you. acts 242com for more.